eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This it's fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Oh my God, they're letting us do it. They're letting us do it. This is it. It is fourth down in the Steel City version 2.0. Fourth down in the Steel City, your place for daily insight, opinions, hot takes, and everything else you could possibly want for the Steelers. And Steelers fans, we are here for you. I'm Chris Mack. He's Josh Taylor. Both of us occasionally allowed to do things for 93.7 The Fan. Josh always allowed to do things for KDKA TV 2 and CBS Pittsburgh, where randomly he'll invite me on sometimes as well. But we are here every single day to talk Steelers with you. So, Steelers Nation, what do you want to talk about? I know what we've got to talk about. Uh, before we get into any of it, Josh, before I allow you to say hello, to everybody out there watching on YouTube and listening inside their Odyssey app or however they get their podcasts. A reminder, if you have not already, follow, subscribe, rate, review, all the things you need to do for Fourth Down in the Steel City to make sure that all of your friends are locked in as well. Be sure to hit that little that notification bell on, on the YouTube screen. Uh, and whenever there are new videos available, you'll get them. And that's the whole show. The whole show will get posted to YouTube every single day as well. We are locked in here. And yes, they've allowed us to do this thing, Josh. New, 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 new world. Why are they allowing us to do this? Uh, They either don't know. That's actually my money is on them just not knowing. (laughs) Or or they're just incredibly bored. They're like, okay. And they're sick of us bothering them. And I'm glad you mentioned that we're doing fourth down in Steel City because I thought I was just trapped in my basement or trapped in my my attic for no reason. I figured I was just on punishment or something. So I'm glad it's this and not somebody else. Nobody puts Josh in the corner. For for those watching on YouTube, ignore all of this behind me. We are renovating the attic space, which will soon be my office. So it'll look a lot better in about a week and a half. So just, you know. Bear with me for a little bit. Just ignore the bad stuff. Then again, I'm here, so maybe it's bad to ignore the bad stuff. I don't know. We'll see. It depends on how you feel about this episode that will determine what exactly is the bad stuff, I guess. We'll see. True. True. Uh, Not bad. The man who will do his damnedest to keep us in line, our producer, Greg Finley. Greg, pop in and say hello real quick to everybody. Hey, everybody. 
There's Greg. Yeah, this is, it's, this uh, is the tortured stole who's stuck with us for the duration. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Poor um, Greg. I got to keep you guys on topic, on time, and Yee. keep the Mitch Hedberg jokes to at least five per episode. Well, I mean, <laughs> in 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 fairness, Greg, we used to talk about the Steelers. We still talk about the Steelers, but we used to too. There's one <laughs> Mitch Hedberg reference number one. All right, there we go. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, we, we are we, we are one ready. already. We're not even five minutes in. That's how we do no, it. no. I That's think we're we ready to go. Let's start with the cut down day chaos for this team, gentlemen. Kevin Dotson traded to move up. I mean, who knows? It could it could be anywhere from like 30 to 40 picks in a couple of different rounds of the draft. Kendrick Green somehow pawned off on the Houston Texans for a sixth round pick. Zach Gentry released, which I think was a tiny bit of a surprise. To some people Desmond King brought in uh in just the last few hours since before we sat down to talk about this so Josh let's start here I like the 53 I think there are a couple soft spots to talk about here and there especially dependent on injuries but I think this is probably the best 53 they've mm-hmm. gone into a season with in four or five years I was going to say we're probably talking 2016 was the last time or maybe maybe the start of 2017 pre-Ryan Shazier injury was probably Mm. the last time this roster looked this complete. I won't even say good, but I'll say complete. It's just complete. It's not only is it complete, it's pretty deep. I mean, we used to see this roster be the past couple of years. It felt like a mile wide and an inch deep. (laughs) Now it feels a lot more deep and a lot less wide. So I'm feeling a lot better about that. I feel the same way you do. I think injuries could be a problem with this team, but it's only had a couple spots now. It used to be where injuries right. at a couple spots weren't, weren't weren't as important, and you worry about where the specific ones are. Now it's more minimized. It's like okay, injuries not only a couple places might be critical, but everywhere else you might be okay. Yeah, the the one spot I have an eye on uh, actually, there's two spots. I'm not going to lie, there's two spots I'm kind of worried about. You tell me if I should be worried about these or not. Like interior line. If there's an injury to Mason Cole or one of these guards goes down, I, I, look, I'm okay with Nate Herbig, you know, having to step in for right. a week or two if it comes down to it. I'm okay, I think, if, you know, Spencer Anderson can't possibly snap the ball farther over quarterbacks' heads than Kendrick Green used to if he's called upon. Very to true. Do so I think I'm okay with those guys being the interior backups along the offensive line. I would have preferred had they been able to hold on to a Dotson, for example, as an interior backup, but I understand that's probably a luxury and they weren't necessarily ecstatic about the way he played last year at times. So that is one soft spot, the interior line reserves. And then I do still have my questions. I thought they would keep more at safety aside from like KZ and Neil. I like them both. I do. But I do worry if there's an injury to one of those guys, if there's if they're if they need to do more, if they need to find more pieces as they stitch together the Frankenstein that is going to be their other safety next to Minka Fitzpatrick. If they've got enough pieces or if the Frankenstein that they stitch together between KZ and Neil will be like missing the lower half of its right leg some weeks and missing a forearm (laughs) other weeks. And it's just sort of slowly ambling towards the sidelines. Like, I, I just, I like them both, but I only like them enough. I'm not necessarily excited about them. I want Minka to be free to just play center field and be back there ball hawking. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on the safety position. I had this discussion at the barbershop a couple weeks ago. I was asked about it. You said, well, are, are they going to be able to keep Kenny Robinson? I said, it's not whether or not they want to keep it or are they going to keep him? I said, it's not going to be whether or not they want to keep him. It's going to be whether or not they're able to keep him because there's so many different kind of pieces jumbled together. Yeah. Like you're like you talked about at the safety position and Oh yeah, by the way, they also didn't keep Trey Norwood who was a guy who would fill in occasionally at the safety position. So that creates even more questions surrounding it. So now you're looking at, you know, no Trey Norwood, no Marcus Allen. They didn't bring Terrell Edmonds back. So all of that is changing. And now you kind of have this rotating DeMonte KZ, Keanu Neal, or if they go to that big dime sub package, you may have both of them with Micah Fitzpatrick. So now right. you have kind of this whole morphing changing thing. It, it, it kind of looks differently, but here's one thing that kind of probably offsets that. The addition of Patrick Peterson, I think makes this looks a lot more palatable because mm. you're already hearing Peterson talk about how he can move around and how different guys are going to do different things and how you might see some corners doing things that safeties do and safeties doing things that slot corners do. So there are going to be some moving pieces around here. I'm wondering just how much they'll get out of him doing that with the veteran presence that he has. So yeah, safety is a concern to me. Interior line, I agree with you, especially considering the fact, remember the thing they talked about at the end of last season? All five of those guys played in every game and none of them got hurt. Yep. And, yep. and Omar Khan said it, Mike Tomlin said it, Pat Meyer said it, hey, this doesn't happen every day. Usually someone goes down, so we, we kind of dodged a bullet here. So if the law of averages is telling you anything, one of these guys is going to get hurt. And then for their, for their sake, you're hoping it's a tackle. Because if it's a guard, I feel the same way you do. I wasn't as surprised about Kevin Dotson being moved. I said this at the end of last year. And this is something that I don't think people really pay attention to or don't point out. There were two times last season where Kenny Pickett was hit by a blitzing linebacker and left the game with a concussion. Both times that linebacker came in the same gap. Yep. And that was Kevin Dotson's gap. And I said this at the end of the season. If you're that guy who allowed that to happen twice – you're probably not going to be on the field much longer. And I, I think they knew, hey, we cannot allow this to go any further. When they brought in Isaac Sayomalu, you knew, okay, he's not going to be on the field with the ones anymore. Because Isaac Sayomalu, for all intents and purposes, he, he might be a couple of ones on this line because him being on this line alone has made it look a lot better. So you knew that Dotson's time with the ones was coming to an end. Whether or not he was going to stay on the roster will probably depend on the guys around him. Same thing with Kendrick Green. And I guess they figured, hey, we can get draft picks for both and take our chances elsewhere. So that's what they decided to do. And good on Omar Khan for getting not only a pick for Kendrick Green, for get, but getting pick swaps for yeah. the guy who missed his block and got his quarterback concussed twice. He got pick swaps for that guy. That's 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 some masterful work right there. Yeah, we're going to get into the con artist because Omar coming in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, back to the interior line for just a second. I think with the key with Kevin Dotson, and you point out the, the sacks that he gave up, the hits that he gave up last year, he had hit his ceiling. Unfortunately, Kevin Dotson was never going to get any better. Decent in, in the run game, right? Sometimes very right. good in the run game. That was game. his he, strength, really. Right, yeah. yeah. He was a mauler at times, but never really improved enough in pass pro to be that guy. Say Amalu has the complete game. And as far as the safeties go, I'll be honest, I thought they were going to keep more safeties and fewer corners. But that right. point that you brought up about what Pat Pete said, that, hey, We've got the kind of guys, and Patrick Peterson is one of them now. Um, we've seen Joey Porter Jr. work inside during camp in the preseason. Desmond King is obviously one of these guys. 
who spent half the year, almost exactly half the year inside and half the year outside last year. So they've got guys that, as long as you're not talking about a box safety, and let's be honest, Quan Alexander can kind of function like a box safety yeah. at times, especially in rundowns. So, you know, it, it's they're they're probably using three, four different guys to replace the one role that Terrell Edmonds played. But I, I wonder if they're not going to get better play out of all of those different aspects. Look, it's nothing against Terrell Edmonds. No, he was not at all. good enough many many weeks. I just wonder if they're not going to be able to. They're going to have more, more boom or bust potential. I think at all of these different spots where Edmonds used to plug in. Uh, whether it be in the secondary or sort of on the edges of the box. I think the best way to describe it with with what the situation is now compared to what it was with Terrell Edmonds for the past couple of years, I think they're going to get a lot more of the things Terrell Edmonds couldn't do done better. And maybe the things that he could do probably done around the same level. So it it feels like, okay, we're losing this guy and what he does. Okay, fine. But there were some things he couldn't do too. And those kind of get filled in with a little bit more of a wider yeah. repertoire. So it's, it's, you're right. They're taking pretty much two or three different guys and kind of shoving them, you know, the, the, uh, the, um, what's the word look for proverbial 10 pounds into a five pound bag for right. a position. That's what they're doing, but it doesn't make it a bad thing because now the things that were weaknesses for Terrell Edmonds, one of those things is a strength for Keanu Neal. One of those things is a strength for DeMonte KZ. One of those things is a strength for Patrick Peterson. So now you got different guys that can do a lot of the things he did well and maybe a little bit better. And you mentioned Quan Alexander because one of the things Terrell Edmonds was pretty good at was defending tight ends. So now if you got a linebacker, whether it's Quan Alexander and maybe even Cole Holcomb, we saw a little bit yeah, out of him in run. that Atlanta game of what, not even just being able to run, but how he actually sees and processes the field, mm-hmm. dropping back into zone coverage. And I got a chance to work with Ryan Shazier. Um, for that Atlanta game, or I should say for, was the Atlanta game? No, Buffalo the second game? preseason game, Buffalo game. Yeah. And he he talked about, you know, how there's a couple of different ways that coaches teach linebackers how to read what they see around them when they're playing in zone. And he broke down pretty much in detail what Cole Holcomb did and how he made that play. So when you hear that from another inside linebacker about what an inside linebacker is doing well, and it just happened to be, you know, the guy who was on pace to be arguably one of the best inside linebackers in this team's history before his unfortunate injury, you pay attention to that. So Cole Holcomb is a guy that intrigues me and he's really, and and Shazier was impressed with Quan Alexander too and everything he does. So as much as we talk about the safety position, let's not leave out the linebacker position. That's been a complete overhaul too, but it is one for the better. One last move for this 53 that I wanted to mention that we touched on off the top that I don't want to say I'm a big fan of cutting somebody, especially somebody who's been one of those low key productive players over the last few years. It's nothing against Zach Gentry. It's not, he'll catch on somewhere. He's a good blocking tight end. He's a large human. Who's going to, who's going to help somebody somewhere, but this means hashtag Darnell Washington season has begun. And this man, look, I've tried to explain it to people. Everybody's asked me after spending a few days at camp a couple weeks ago, well, what about what, what, what surprised you the most? What surprised you the most? Darnell Washington. The man is the size of an offensive tackle, yes. but can move like a wide receiver. He is going to, if he does not catch at least five touchdown passes this year, I'll be shocked. He is going to be a massive, and I mean that both literally and figuratively, red zone target for this team I, and I, I have never seen a man of that size move that nimbly Josh 
it, it's time for us to show our age. 15 minutes into the show, Chris, <laughs> I, I'm going to bring up a name of a tight end that some oh, okay. people are going to be like, who? But guys in our age bracket, us, us Gen X and millennial yep. cuspers, we're going to know this name. Remember Eric Green? Oh, remember yes. how large of a human Eric Green Liberty's was? Liberty's finest. And remember how well he can move for a guy that mm -hmm. big and how athletic and agile he is? Take him and make him bigger and a better <laughs> run blocker. That's Darnell Washington. Like, I'm yes. not even, like, trying to be funny, but, like, we thought Eric Green was, was a phenomenon. Like, what, 25 years ago? We thought Eric yeah. Green was, like, some rarity. Then you see Darnell Washington, you're going, that guy plays tight end? It's crazy because there was a nice little series of jokes going between myself and Chris Carter. Shout out to Chris. And um, one of our, our, our cohorts on, on Twitter, shout out to JB. And we always joked about that. Man, if you could get Darnell Washington on this group, just how fun would it be? Yeah. And we got closer to the draft. And I'm like, okay, since I won it, it's not going to happen. And they're like, oh, man, Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington. I was like, stop giving me hope. It's not going to happen. It's not going <laughs> to happen. Then it happens. And I'm like, wait, what? They actually did it. They brought him in. And for me, it was like, it was, it was just, it was me looking at the possibilities. It was me looking at what they can do with just 12 personnel with one running back, two tight ends, and two receivers on the field. Because now you could put Darnell Washington as the inline guy and put Pat Fryermuth in the slot and torture linebackers. Oh or you could put them both on the line of scrimmage. And you could put Washington on the same side as Pat Fryermuth and move him across the formation if you want to. Just to give you a, hey, this guy's coming in front and of then, whoever has And the then ball. just pop a Connor Hayward in there too. Or just pop a Connor Hayward in there. You can do so many different things just with this group of tight ends alone. And you're right. You, you hate to lose Zach Gentry just because of that extra added, you know, ability to block that you have. But you got Pat Fryermuth who can catch the ball. You got uh, Darnell Washington who can block really, really well and catch the ball a little bit. Then you got Connor Hayward who can do both. And he can run the ball if you want him to. We've yeah. seen him be that guy on the wing at the tight end position and come in jet motion and take a carry and close out a couple games last season. So you have a lot of versatility just with the tight end group alone. That makes this offense a lot more effective. And it allows you to do a lot more things that you might not have been able to do previously. Something that hasn't happened in years for the Pittsburgh Steelers has happened now this preseason, this offseason, through the preseason, and into week one. Years it's been since they've pulled this off. We tell you what that is next as we talk about Omar coming. Omar, y'all. Omar coming. That yeah. next. Hey, yo. Don't make me huff and puff. Next, right here on 4th Down in the Steel City. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And we're back inside fourth down in the Steel City. Omar coming. We'll get to that in just a minute. I can't believe they've let us continue on through a second segment, Josh. But here we are. <laughs> it's After, still early. It is true. It's true. Just wait till they watch the whole episode. <laughs> exactly. We, we, we've decided that there are very few soft spots on this roster, though, 
in looking at the final analysis of the 53-man roster, especially after the trades of Dotson and Green going out and getting Desmond King as well from Houston. And he didn't even need a shotgun for that one. <laughs> Omar just banged on the door and said, that, that was, don't make that me was huff the, and puff. That was the scene of him walk, like him getting Desmond King was the scene where he walks out in his pajamas, like it's just in the morning <laughs> and they're just like dropping stuff out the window. And he's not even trying to rob anybody. He's just going to get his Honey Nut Cheerios and just stumbles on the Desmond King. That's, that's what Omar Khan did. That's what he did. Kids, kids, The Wire, look it up. Sorry. Gotta watch gonna, it. Gotta watch it. If you're going to hang through this podcast, through, through more than one episode, there are two things you need to brush up on. Mitch Hedberg and The Wire. That's, that's basics, okay? He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> we will work on the WWE Attitude Era as a supplementary <laughs> course throughout throughout the season he's josh taylor i'm chris mack greg finley trying to keep us in line as we do talk about like i I can't believe it but like if i had to crown an mvp right now before there is a single snap taken josh it is omar khan i don't think any of us expected the quote-unquote cap geek to be the guy who was going to walk in and start wheeling and dealing we're like oh well andy weidel's here he's the football guy he'll handle it no omar's that dude Remember way back a few months ago, like, you know, back to like when the offseason was ending or like, you know, when the draft ended last year mm-hmm. and Kevin Colbert was on his way out and we're like, who's going to be the new guy? Is it going to be him? Is it going to be this guy? Is it going to be Lewis Riddick? We honestly didn't know. And, and there were people that were saying, well, there were there's a downside to it being Omar Khan because, you know, he's just a cap guy. He doesn't have a lot of scouting experience. Meanwhile, Omar Khan did have scouting experience. He kind of just yeah. swept that under the rug. But you know, there was a question as to who it would be and mm-hmm. why or why it should or should not be this person. And Omar Khan was the one left standing when it was all said and done. And I don't think anybody's questioning that now. Given I the mean, other options at the time, it feels like a steal at this point. He's been this over the last 12 months, short of Kenny Pickett. And Kenny Pickett still got a lot of growth ahead of him. We hope right. his ceiling is a whole lot higher than many of us projected in him coming out of the draft. But over the last 12 months, the star of this franchise has been Omar Khan. I mean, what he's done, I mentioned before the the little break there, they haven't had a draft in years where every single pick made the opening day 53. And, and Corey, Trice, Corey Trice is the only one who's not making it because he's on IR. Right. Everybody else is on the 53 on opening day, all the way down to Spencer Anderson, the seventh round pick. And he's got a role. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's very clearly the, the backup center, right? He's so, the swing guy for all intents and purposes on the line. He's that swing lineman. It, it is uh, – I can't believe that they've had – I think I saw it was Brad Spielberger of PFF uh, on Wednesday say this has been – he used the word flawless to describe Omar Khan's offseason. I, I don't think he's wrong. I can't look back on anything he's done – since he took over, and especially this offseason in particular, and go, oh, no, you shouldn't have done that. At this point, maybe the jury is still out on a lot of moves, but at the very least, the jury is still out. And on the ones where we've already kind of come to our conclusions, it feels like it's been the right move every time. Uh, there's two things I'll, I'll say to as far as my assessment of this. The first thing I had this discussion with probably somebody earlier today, and I was having this discussion. I said, look, the stuff that he's done just in the offseason alone Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of good GMs do in like maybe two or three off seasons. Yeah. They don't have the great draft. And then like some of the, the free agents that they sign or all the free agents that they sign. And then the trades that he's made, 
they do that maybe over the course of a couple of years. He did that in like six months, Chris. He did yeah. it in six months. It, it's bringing in Isaac Saomalu and Patrick Peterson and and drafting Broderick Jones and, and drafting Nick Herbig and drafting Darnell Washington and Joey Porter Jr. You might get that over the course of two drafts or maybe in the first three rounds. He did that in like four rounds. This is crazy. And then he brings the free agents that he brings in. Then he, he gets value for Kendrick Green. He gets uh, draft value for, for Kevin Dotson. The stuff that he's been able to do, he, he, I mean, I don't say he tripped over Desmond King, but you know, like we mentioned, he, he walked through the hood in his pajamas and got get Desmond Green <laughs> falling out the window, Desmond King falling out the window. Like all this stuff is happening and all like, and this is all happening in one off season. The other thing I will say is this going into the off season, I had been talking about this. I don't know if you and I had this discussion on the nightly sports call. I know I have with a couple other people. We've been talking about this. I said, going into the off season, there was like a wish list of things I wanted. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, it'd be cool to have a guy like Isaac Salomalo on this this offensive line. They want a free agency. Boom, there he is. And I'm like, wait, what? They got him? What? So then you turn around, you're like, man, like, you know, trying to throw off this corner position, a veteran like Patrick Peterson wouldn't be bad. And they get Pat P. Okay, when, you're almost like, okay, what else can we get at this point? Right. And you going into the draft, and, and Greg, Greg Finley will tell you this, and Greg will tell you for the last two years, I have been calling Georgia the Roman Reigns of college football. <laughs> because they wreck everyone and leave. It's just what they do. And I've been, t- I was telling Greg, I'm like, man, I need some Georgia guys on this team. I don't care who, I don't care how. Get me a Georgia guy. Last year, it was George Pickens. I'm like, good, give me a Georgia guy, especially a freakish athletic receiver. I won't complain. Then going into this season, they get the starting tackle who's faced pretty much the best pass rushers coming into the league in the last two or three years. He's faced them in practice every day in Broderick Jones. And then he gets Darnell Washington the super freak athlete tight end we talked about in the previous segment. You get all that in one shot. I'm like, man, it'd be great to have a couple of these things. And they got all of them. I'm sitting there going, okay, well, he's checking off all the boxes for me. And that was before DeMonte Casey was brought back. That's before Keanu Neal was brought in. And that's not counting anything he did with the inside linebacker position. That right. doesn't any of that. These were things that I didn't even have on my wish list. But he checked off all the things that I did have. And you know what? All those things you talk about are toppings on the ice cream. They're finishing off the Sunday because the two big scoops of chocolate and vanilla in the middle of this thing are somehow turning Chase Claypool into Joey Porter Jr. I mean, that is sort of the crown jewel of this whole thing. It makes no sense. You did what? I mean, how did you? What? Uh, Ryan Pace, I don't know how the man still has a job, but Omar did that. And so it all started with that sort of swirled around all year. We kept watching the Bears to see what the Bears were doing. What are the Bears doing? What are the Bears doing? It works out. They get the top pick in the second round, and it works out that Joey Porter slides to them somehow at 32. You know, after they get their offensive, the cor- cornerstone, keystone should be offensive line. You know what he told Ryan Pace? You know what Omar Carr told him? He said, boy, if you want to hit on that body, you best hop too. <laughs> Kids, watch the wire. The we'll wire. Later. Yeah. Thank you later. Thank uh, you later. That was a season oh. one reference, so you'll find that one early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but stick with it. Yeah, don't, don't, don't go skipping around. Get, stick get, around. Trust me. It gets get, get, get through season three, and it's all, yeah. Whew. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Omar pulls all this off, and I guess it, it circles back around to how we started the show today, which is this is probably the strongest roster they've gone into a season with since you cited 16, probably early 17. 
Um, 18 for me was still a pretty strong team. It was even, still pretty good, even without even though, Shazier. Right, even without Shazier, they still had the killer bees. Um, and then from there is where things really started to fall off when you had the bell hold out and then a B blowing up. Anyway, point being, this is a strong roster. Um, and I'm surprised I'll be honest. I'll bring in the gambling aspect of this for just a second, Josh. They're still sitting at eight and a half wins. They're still sitting at plus money. They're dogs to be, to, to make the playoffs. Uh, I'll admit they can't have too much go wrong because we right. talked about the soft spots on the roster. You know, we know what this team is if T.J. Watt gets hurt, and it's not a playoff team. He, as good as Kenny Pickett may be, as good as all those other weapons may be. So there are soft spots. But I'll say this. If they stay mostly healthy and things go mostly according to plan, this is now a 10-win wildcard team, I think. I have three questions. Now, looking at this roster now, I have only three questions with this team. You already mentioned one. Can they stay healthy? That's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is, can they win the division? Because if they can win 11, maybe 12 games, depending on which of those games they win, if it turns into, you know, whether it's sweeping Cleveland and splitting with Baltimore and Cincinnati, that could win you the division. If you win eight other games that are relatively better as far as your your, your playoff resume, that could be useful. And the third thing is, if you do win the division, can you win at least one playoff game? Mm. Because I think them winning the division will dictate if they get a home playoff game, which it will, of course. But I think that will dictate if they win a playoff game. Because if they get a playoff game at home, I think they could win one, especially with the style of football they want to play, because it's a style of football that can win you games in January, especially playing at home. So I like that thought. I like that prospect. And I even think, you know, I, I still I'm, I'm trying to stay over my skis and not get too far out ahead of myself. I still think they're a wild card team. And but I, I do think you make a good point about the way they're built and the way they're built to win games. I think they could go on the road in a wild card game and, and they could a division winner. They could they could go to like, let's say, for example, I'm kind of I'm, I'm starting to come down on Buffalo just a little bit. But let's say Me Buffalo too. wins the East. Right. And could you not see this Steelers team? Look what they did to, this preseason, but look what they did to Buffalo a couple weeks ago. There's a lot of starters involved on both sides of the ball there. Mm-hmm. You go up to, I could see them going up to Buffalo and upsetting the Bills in a, in a, in a uh, wild card game. You know, would I, would it be the expectation? No, but it wouldn't necessarily shock me either. So because of the way they're built, yeah, you're right. If they get in, they should win a playoff game. And Ooh, break fun trivia. Oh, okay. Give it to me. Fun trivia. Because everybody talks about well, the last time we won a playoff game was 2016. You know who they beat in that playoff game in 2016? Mm-hmm. Kansas City on the road. Alex Smith. At Arrowhead. Yep. Mike Tomlin beat Andy Reid on the road in the playoff game. And and here, and, and Chris, here, I'm going to go back to the broken record I've been talking about for the past couple of years now. You know how they did it? They ran the ball. Ran the ball. They played really good mm-hmm. defense, and they won the turnover battle. Kicked a bunch of field goals. Yep. And, kicked and, a bunch it, of and it worked. Goals. And it but they did they did enough to win that game. Matter of fact, yep. they won two playoff games that year. Yep. They won one at home against Miami. Miami was never really in it after the first quarter. The second one, they went on the road and just out physical Kansas City. And in that third playoff game, the AFC Championship game, they lost Le'Veon Bell in the first quarter. And if they hadn't, maybe that one turns out differently because afterwards, Belichick was like, "Oh, you have no Le'Veon Bell. Okay, Antonio Brown, you're not in this game anymore." And took right. right out of it, and there was nothing left for them to do on offense. That but first. the last playoff game, the last two playoff games they won, Miami at home and Kansas City on the road, they ran the ball down the other team's throat, they beat up the other team physically on defense, and they won the turnover battle. 
they're still finding remnants of Matt Moore under Bud Dupree's <laughs> fingernails from oh, that man. first playoff game. That was a great argument that night on the on the showdown. I was a panelist on the showdown that night. We were arguing about whether or not Matt Moore should have kept playing because it was like, like, how do you bring him back from that? Like, oh. they scraped him up off the pavement. It was crazy. That, you'll never convince me that wasn't one of the ones the league didn't look at and go, hmm. I think we got to fix this concussion thing. It was, we got to the argument that night. I'll never forget it. Me and Paul's eyes got into the argument. He was like, well, are you a doctor? I'm like, Paul, it ain't about doctors at this point. It's about lawyers. Cause they don't want another lawsuit because it hits like that. <laughs> they don't want another billion dollar concussion lawsuit. And Matt Moore just reminded them why. I don't need to be a lawyer to tell you that man's dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need the Chewbacca defense on South Park for that one. You don't even need that. What, we, what, is this, what is this Ewok doing on the planet full of Ewok? What, what is this Wookiee doing on the planet full of Ewoks? What is this Wookiee doing? It doesn't make any sense. Therefore, you must quit. <laughs> when we come back, uh, a classic uh, Josh Taylor uh, segment that we will bring into the fold at least once a week uh, here on 4th Down in the Steel City. Is this a thing? That's next. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is fourth down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome back in. Hopefully you've already clicked subscribe or follow or whatever you have to do. The, the little notification bell on YouTube if you're watching the show to make sure you get new episodes of fourth down in the Steel City version 2.0 as soon as they are ready for you. We prefer you do it in your Odyssey app, but wherever you get your podcast, by all means, go ahead and get it. He's Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. We, you know, we, we like the kind that jingles, but we prefer the kind that folds, to paraphrase Coming to America. You didn't think yeah. I'd bring Coming to America in the first episode, did it. you? I'm so proud. That was wonderful. <laughs> Mr. Randy Watson. Anyway. <laughs> that boy good. <laughs> he good. Terrible. He good. He good. Uh, we're going to, okay. We're going <clears> to, <throat> sorry. Let's bring in the guy who tries to keep us on the rails when we go off the rails like this. Our producer, <laughs> Greg Finley. Greg, it's time to play. Is this the thing? So I'm going to I'm gonna let you lead off because this is you and Josh on the Sunday morning grind for years on 93.7 The Fan would play. Is this a thing? So uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you two gentlemen go first because I got one, but I want to make sure it's up to the standards. All right, let's do it. Okay, so for mine, uh, Louis Riddick said on ESPN last week that George Pickens is going to have a Pro Bowl-type season. So my is this a thing is very simple to that statement. Will George Pickens have a Pro Bowl type season? Chris, you go first because I gotta okay. I gotta collect my thoughts on this. One. I, I I think so. I mean, it's not asking too much. I mean, you've you've seen the connection between him and Kenny Pickett. I mean, Kenny Pickett has shown he's got, if nothing else, an ability to develop chemistry with wide receivers, with elite wide receivers. Addison at Pitt, right? I mean, Allen Robinson walks in after being acquired from the Rams, walks into training camp, and immediately you start to hear about he and Kenny Pickett uh, developing this chemistry. He's obviously got it with George Pickens. You don't need to put the ball in a perfect spot for George Pickens to turn it into a catch, and more often than not, a highlight reel catch. Anything in the zip code, his catch radius is almost infinite. So, yeah, I think he, we definitely get a Pro Bowl-like season from George Pickens. He'll be there wherever they're playing the Pro Bowl this year. I don't know if it's in Vegas or Orlando or Hawaii or whatever, if he's even going to go. Do you guys even go to the Pro Bowl anymore? It doesn't matter. He'll get named to the team. Absolutely. It's a thing. 
it would be great if he got named and didn't have to go because mm-hmm. he might have other plans. That would be the ideal. That's always the yes. ideal these days. I want this. I, I want this to be a thing. I want this so badly. And not just because he went to Georgia. <laughs> Craig knows why. I, I want this to be a thing because if George Pickens is a pro bowler, that means one of three things. One, that means Kenny Pickett was healthy the entire season, which is definitely what you want if this offense is going to do anything. Two, it means George Pickens was healthy, or if not most of the season, the entire season. And three, it means the offense got to the point where they're able to pretty much dictate. Do we need to throw the ball? Fine, we'll throw the ball. Do we need to run the ball? Fine, we'll run the ball. But it shows me that this offense will have become a fully operational battle station, so to speak. So if those if those things happen, then yes, I think it's a thing. So, And I think they're capable of happening. It just comes down to them being healthy. And if that's the only thing holding them back, then yes, I think this is a thing. Yeah, I think I think my only concern is, you know, Pickens is such a deep threat for this team. They're going to double him. You know, they're going to yeah. they're going to put bodies on him. He has had trouble creating separation, but he can go up and get the ball anytime he wants to. But it gets to the point of will Kenny feed him the ball when he's doubled or, you know, that's my only concern. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think yeah. we've seen, though, that, like I said, Kenny's willing to put the ball just somewhere in the zip code and let George go get it and come down with it. I need to see a combination of what happened during the second half of last season, maybe that last four or five games, Mm -hmm. and a combination of what we've seen already in the preseason. I need George Pickens to – I need to see George Pickens make plays down the field, down the sideline, of course, but if he can make a play or two inside the numbers, if he can make a play or two between the hashes, if he can catch a touchdown or two like he did to seal that game against the Raiders, like he did against Cleveland, make some plays like he did against Miami – you see that happen, and now you see your guy. You see a guy who's making plays all over the field, where it's almost to the point where he's so good you can't ignore him. He, he's co- he becomes Cody Rhodes. He goes from undesirable to undeniable at that point, <laughs> and that's what happens. But that but that's the capability that he has. We saw it in the preseason. He took one small like we took one small. I think it was a post route, made one huge move and turned it into a big touchdown. Yeah. He, he, he's he's showing he can not only make plays down the field, but he's showing he can make plays in space. He's showing he can make plays in the red zone. I want to see that full capability. I don't want to just see him develop as a deep threat. I want to see him be the guy that can beat you a bunch of different ways. Yeah, that's that's a that. That, that's a really important point. I think that Tampa touchdown in the first game is a good good example of you don't have to game plan it big for it to end up being big. And that's give what it to him and let him do it. Really, exactly, exactly. All right, Josh. The, it's, you get to go next. What's your, what's your, is this a thing? I'm probably going with a really huge one here. And and it's, I've heard so many different like analysts and talk show hosts and radio guys talk about, well, you know, don't sleep on the Steelers. The Steelers are a surprise team, but I've only heard one or two talk about the Steelers opportunity and possible, you know, likelihood of winning the AFC North. I'm bringing it right back to this because we talked about it just in the previous segment. The Steelers being a legit threat to win the AFC North. And this is with the return of Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. This is with the reloading in Baltimore because they're committed to Lamar Jackson, however long it took them to get there, but they are. And and this is with Cleveland, whom everybody keeps saying is back. Like, is Cleveland the new Texas of the NFL, first of all? Like, are they the new Longhorns? Because everybody keeps saying they're back and they prove that they're not. (laughs) And both teams were orange, so it is kind of weird, but that's not the Azusa thing. The Steelers being a legitimate threat to a- win the AFC North. Is this a thing? I, I'm i not there yet. I'm not there yet because 
as long as Joe Burrow is somewhat healthy, and I don't believe that calf thing is an issue yet. Maybe I'll no. be wrong. Maybe, you know, it'll go a couple weeks and it'll flare up and it'll become an issue. But as long as it's not an issue, I think the Bengals are just too damn good. The Bengals are a 12 or 13 win team. And I don't think you're right. The jury is out on the Ravens. I want to see how Todd Munkin uses Lamar. Does he look yes. more like Louisville Lamar right now that he's got weapons to throw to aside from Mark Andrews to check down to constantly. And I don't believe in Deshaun Watson until I see it. I'm sorry. Until I Fair. see Deshaun Watson of the Texans show up again, uh, the Browns is still the Browns to quote Juju. <laughs> um, so, I mean, is it, is it a poss- is it more of a possibility now than it was a month ago? Yes, but I'm still not here to say that the Steelers winning the AFC North is a thing quite yet. I'm probably a homer for saying this, but I do think that they can win the AFC North. But I said this at the beginning of the preseason and the beginning of training camp. I think they revamped their defense and made it even better by the moves that they made, bringing in a Patrick Peterson. And now they've brought in a Desmond King. They've made their secondary even better. Mm-hmm. And they helped their offensive line out a ton, bringing Sayamalu in, drafting Broderick Jones. They're going to be able to run the football more effectively. I think that this schedule is so favorable for the Steelers. I have them going 12 and five in the regular season, four and two in the division. I think that's enough to win the AFC North. And it's probably going to come down to the final couple of weeks where you're going to have to face off against Baltimore and Cincinnati. And it'll come down to that. Greg, I have the exact same numbers you do. I have them 12 and five and I have them four and two in the division. Therefore, I think this is a thing. And, and, but it's not for those reasons. It's not for those reasons. Let's go back to last season. Let's talk about this because they beat Cincinnati on the road in week one. And they, that game went to overtime yeah. and things kind of got crazy in the fourth quarter, but only because the defense had played so wild and so nuts for those first three quarters. The Cincinnati kept coming back because the Steelers mm-hmm. offense couldn't finish them off because they couldn't run the ball back then. They weren't running the ball like they were in the second half of the season in week one. If they're right. doing that in week one, they close that game out by the third quarter and it doesn't go to overtime. And it's not even close in the fourth quarter where Jamar chase has to get another opportunity aided by a terrible penalty on Micah Fitzpatrick for that to even happen. Also the second meeting at Heinz at Hinesville, Acrisure stadium. Man, no, it's I'm still Heinz. It's cool. 40s brain. Um, that second <laughs> meeting at Acrisure stadium. And this is where I remind people TJ Watt forced a turnover and the offense had the ball on the plus side of the field with the chance to take the lead in that game. They went three and out and never really got anything from it and never got a touchdown out of it. You put this offense in that position last season, that goes differently and they probably have a chance to score and have a better shot at winning that game because that offense was, was, it was not what we thought it could be what we saw this season. It just was not there yet. The offense was not what we thought it could be week one. And remember Mitch Trubisky was the starter in week one and not Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a different alter, alternate MCU timeline, perhaps the Steelers sweep the Bengals last season. And, and let, and let, we're going to we're just going to lean on history and numbers right now. Lamar Jackson and the Steelers, it ain't in the bag, but statistically speaking, it's pretty close because no one beats and tortures Lamar Jackson. Nope. Like Steelers do. So if you want to tell me that their opportunity to win the division is there, if you're talking about just going head to head with the teams in the division with what they did during the offseason, I can't sit here and praise everything Omar Khan did in the offseason in that first in that second segment, Chris, 
Yeah. And they can't compete with the teams in the division now because that's exactly what they were doing to be able to compete with the teams in the division. And oh, by the way, they were competing with the teams in the division last year because they split They split with Cincinnati. Yeah. They split with Cleveland. And I think they – did they sweep Baltimore or did they split with Baltimore? They split with Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they split last year in the division. All you got to change is one game. Mm. All you got to change is one game to be four and two in the division. And I can give you examples how each of those games could have changed. If Mitchell Trubisky doesn't throw a bunch of picks against Baltimore at Akershire Stadium, they probably go forward to the division. If they knew how to stop the run game in that Thursday night game in Cleveland where the schedule was already betraying them after they got beat up by New England, they probably win that one. And if the offense converts after a turnover on the plus side of the field and gets six points, maybe they sweep Cincinnati. That's how close it was for them going forward to the division. I think it's a thing. I'm digging the optimism, but my jury is still out. It's still out. I'm gonna bring. I, I get it though. I totally get it. You got to see it first. And that's fine. Ex- I totally ex- understand. Exactly. I'm the same All way right. with. I'm the same way with this Cleveland resurgence that everybody says. Oh, is everybody. Uh, yeah. No. Nah, no. Nah, that's that's just that's 40 years of experience there yes, that I exactly. ain't believing it's a thing until it's a thing. Last Unless Eric Metcalf is on the field, then I'm then I'm just. Oh well, yeah. Then all bets are off. Um, <laughs> you guys both talked offense a lot and. Greg brought up George Pickens. I'm going to talk defense. And we one of these guys that I wouldn't say he's flown under the radar. One of these rookies that I feel like is going to have a huge impact. PFF just called him the best run-stopping rookie defensive tackle in the preseason. Keanu Benton. He is a mauler. He is a he is the ring general. He will go in there and absolutely just just he will grab you, he will throw you to the ground, and then he will eat your lunch. In this case, the lunch being your quarterback uh, or whoever has the ball in the backfield. So is this a thing? Keanu Benton is the next Casey Hampton. Oh, I wouldn't call him the next Casey Hampton because I'm hesitant to call any human being mm-hmm. the next <laughs> Casey Hampton because they don't build human beings like Casey Hampton. They just don't. Like you're not that big and that heavy and that agile. And that quick off the line. Like he was just, he was a freak. You don't, and everyone's like, oh, they got to find the next Casey Hampton. I'm sitting there going, physically, you may not find him because he was just one of a kind. But I understand what you're saying in terms of the job that he can do and being the next good run stopper on this team. And I I, I was talking to somebody about the 53 man and how Brain Fajoko got left off of it. Yeah. And my reasoning for that is I think they really like Keanu Benton. I think they like what he brings. And this is not just one of those hunch things. Let's go back to the Tampa Bay preseason game. They had that fourth down opportunity. Tampa Bay says they're going to go for it. And between Keanu Benton and Isaiah Loudermilk, they blew that thing way up and it never had a chance. They blew that play up and it was a fourth and one. And they got in gaps and made plays and forced that stop. And I think a lot of people were going, was was that Keanu Benton that just made that play? I'm sitting next to Chris Hoke watching that game. And we both looked at Benton blowing up that play and Loudermilk blowing up that play. And they're going, we're going, oh, okay, this is this is what we're going to see here? Okay, fine. And I told Chris Hoke after, after this game was over, I said, the last time we saw this defensive line that deep, you were still playing on it. Yeah. And he didn't disagree with me. And Keanu Benton has a lot to do with that. So if we're seeing what he's capable of is just as far as stopping the run in short yardage, then yeah, I, I think I, it's a thing. Yeah, I, Greg, I mean, Casey Hampton might be a little before your time, but oh, I know him. <laughs> this is this is the, exactly what they haven't had in a long time is somebody to eat up things in the interior so that those 
inside linebackers do have a chance to make plays. Got to so have that guy. What I'm excited about is how much, you know, it's come to the point of, well, the Steelers can't stop the run. The Steelers can't stop the run. You have a guy like this who came from the Big Ten from Wisconsin that all they do in the Big Ten is just ground and pound the football. And so he knows how to stop the run, and he has shown that he knows how to stop the run. That hey, hey, makes Greg, me Mike, excited. And, Greg, Mike Tomlin's already said it. What Wisconsin does on defense mirrors what the Steelers do. That's why they didn't mind bringing in Benton. That's why they didn't mind bringing in Louder Milk or 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 Nick Herbick for that matter. Yep. They're like, these guys do what we need them to do. So that's why they wanted them here. Well, you talked about, Josh, about division games that they almost could have won. I look back at the New England game. If they could have stopped the run in that final drive where they milked the mm-hmm. clock for over four and a half minutes, if you would have just been able to stop the run, they probably beat New England. If they would have been able to stop the run, they could have beaten Cleveland on that Thursday night game because Nick Chubb ran all over them. So Absolutely. I love – I love this idea that he could be the next Casey Hampton. I don't think he will be as good as Casey Hampton, but he's going to help the run defense so much. Yeah, I think he's this somewhere is, on the scale, and it's still a win. Yeah, yeah like, it, 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 be close just, to just it. Be a reasonable facsimile. Be yeah. that like like when I tried to to fake my report card in eighth grade, and I made a a copy, a, a musty dusty copy of my real report card at the copy machine at the gas station down the street. Oh, and man. and then I tried to like cut it up and tape it together and run another copy through. And I had to make sure I had enough nickels because it was five cents for each copy. And then I took it home and I tried to explain to my mom while it was black and white instead of in color on like the dot matrix printer paper that they would give us. I, I just need him to be that of Casey Hampton. The twice Ooh. through the copy machine for a nickel a copy version of Casey Hampton. And it will be better. It's why I think it is a thing because... You keep those interior linemen off of Elandon Roberts, off of Cole Holcomb, off of Quan Alexander and Mark Robinson. Give those guys a chance to make plays and shoot gaps. Then all of a sudden, one, two, three-yard carries start turning into minus one, minus two, minus three-yard carries. And you're right, Greg. That's how you shut down a drive against an inferior offense like New England's, and you don't end up losing a game that you should win. I'm over here saluting this the 90s chicanery. That- <laughs> That oh man, that was a masterclass on how we did dirt in the nineties. I, I couldn't. I'm, I'm I, I couldn't let my mom know how many days of school I skipped. I had to oh, cover man. up the attendance, the, the the days absent part on the bottom of the report card. And it. it Wait, did so did she well. buy it? No, hell no, she didn't buy it, Greg. <laughs> of course not. There are Gen Zers listening to this podcast going, copy machines. You did it with a copy machine? <laughs> not just Kids. a copy machine. Not, not just a copy machine. The one down the street at the gas station. You didn't even like, try the library? Come on, man. At least I want the library. It's free. Jeez, Chris. I mean, kids, was, kids, the 90s were a crazy time. That's all I'm going to tell you. It's crazy. The 90s it's were crazy. crazy. It was it was OJ and Limp Biscuit and all kinds of mess. So I'll, I'll offer you a facsimile that's not as good as Casey Hampton, but even if it's if it's if it's this, it's still a win. Be a reasonable facsimile of Javon Hargrave. Yeah. Great call. Maybe slightly better because he's built a little bit differently than Hargrave. You can mm-hmm. be that guy. It, even if you're not Casey Hampton, be a better version of Javon Hargrave. Happy. I'll take it. All right. We have got you covered, Greg. Thank you for captaining. Is this a thing? And, and doing your best to keep us on schedule <laughs> here in the first episode of fourth down in the steel city 2.0. We are up and running for the 2023 season. And this is going to be by all accounts, a fascinating season from week one against the Niners all the way down through what we believe is a possible playoff appearance. We'll be with you every single step of the way. Daily opinions, news, insight, 
updates, analysis. It's all with us. He's Josh Taylor. I'm Chris Mack. Thanks to all of you again. Don't forget to subscribe or follow or favorite the podcast wherever you get it, even right here on YouTube. If you're watching the show on the 93.7 The Fan channel, subscribe. You'll get notifications as soon as new episodes are ready, and they will be ready often because we want to keep you plugged in every single day right here on 4th Down in the Steel City.